Welcome to the vault where you can find the code to unlock your success. In this space, I invite real, inspiring and successful experts. We have eye-opening conversations about the way to reach your highest potential in life and in business. We will cover the mastery of mindset, energy, emotions, transformation, sales, marketing, thriving in business without losing your authenticity and balance. Hi, I'm Sonia Martinovic and host of The Vault, an entrepreneur, mindset mastery and online business coach with an obsession on real transformation. I'm on a mission to help entrepreneurs and other influencers master the mindset and build a successful and impactful business. Do you want to break free from your limitations and express your truest self in business and in life? Is growth your game and success your aim? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to the vault. Let's start cracking your code. And welcome to the vault. I'm so excited to have with me today, Brad Lavender, and he's the founder of the Persuasive Lion, and he's considered the communications expert. He takes a unique approach to both verbal and nonverbal interpersonal communication skills and trains individuals and teams how to effectively communicate and uh, Im- impactfully communicate. And he has a a, a proven training method, The Lost Languages, which helps people raise their self-confidence, elevate their financial opportunities, and enhance both personal and professional relationships. He's also a keynote speaker at Google and JP Morgan. And today the question is, how can we effectively communicate one with another in business and in personal life? I'm super excited to have you here, Brett. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. This is amazing. I love doing this. Yes, absolutely. So uh, what I love to do in the vault, because, you know, people connect with people. So we want to hear the story around how did the persuasive lion get born? How did you get this epiphany or life story that brought you up to this point doing this amazing work for people? So it's interesting. You know, I don't consider myself to be a, quote, motivational speaker. There are hundreds and thousands of motivational speakers out there, not to discredit anyone, but you know, I'm not a rah, 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 you can do it kind of guy. I teach hard and soft skills that are valuable in real life, not just what you think about how you think. And the reason this came about is because from early childhood, I went through some really, really traumatic experiences. I lost my entire family. Uh, the 32nd pitch is uh, only child, Once I was born, all my grandparents had already passed away. So Mm -hmm. I never knew a grandparent. My only uncle, my mother's brother, passed away when I was two weeks old. So I never had an uncle. My father ended up dying when I was six. Yeah. He was found in his car a mile from my house on Halloween with a gunshot wound to his head. Yeah, I read I read about the story on your website and I was, you know, when you get a soul shocker, that's definitely yeah, yeah. something. And then and then lastly, my mother passed away when I was 19 unexpectedly in my arms at one o'clock in the morning, three months after I was told she would live for a year. And oh, so what ended gosh. up happening was it was very, very unique in my category, in my demographic. I ended up in the world alone by myself, but I was always very alpha very out there. I was always a performer and a speaker and just a larger than life life personality. And it dawned on me that this really applied to the natural world. And if you look at an alpha male lion, thus the name, the persuasive lion. Yeah. 
if you look at an alpha male lion in the natural world that doesn't have a pride of lions around them, that's a very dangerous category to be in. People are either intimidated and afraid of you or they aggressively want to take you down. Yeah. So what I had to do in, in the nature of the Lion King was learn how to communicate with all these different types of humans. Yeah. You apply that to the, the natural world. You know, it's a very segregated society in the jungle and in the forest. You know, a rhinoceros doesn't communicate with a giraffe ever. A gorilla doesn't even communicate with a chimpanzee ever. Ever, but yeah. In this very <laughs> unique society of humans. Here I am at 19 years old, out in the world by myself, with no family, no support system. I had to learn how to communicate with people or I was going to be done. Yeah. I started studying humans and I started, and we're nothing more than mammals. So I started studying how did they react when I said this or did that or made this facial expression or said this or didn't say that or paused here or used my hands in a certain way. And it just started to dawn on me that this is not just randomized. This is a science, a science mm. of physiology and a science of psychology. Absolutely. And over the course of decades of training performers and speakers and communicators, it just made sense to me that we have lost the ability to communicate interpersonally through the advent of technology, text messaging, emailing. Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Bumble, Tinder, Hinge. We, we live behind a computer screen. And this happened even before this pandemic. But as a result of COVID, we were actually forced even farther behind a computer. Exactly. Screen. Exactly. And so now I find that most people that I encounter do not have these skills, not because they're not capable of these skills, They've just never been taught them. You know why? Because their parents were never taught them. And so here I come with this very niche concept of how to more effectively communicate with your surroundings, with others around you through a variety of circumstances and interactive tools. And then most importantly, when I circle back at the end of my communication teachings, it's how do we communicate with ourselves? Yes, that's so important. It's so important to have the right mindset, to have the right language towards yourself and to know how to express something. And I, I teach sales also, you know, when I uh, help clients uh, or coaches scale their business. And a lot of coaches, for example, also have difficulties with showing up online, having nerves or just having the words, but then not have the the the, the umph behind it, the energy, Delivery. the passion. Delivery. Right. The delivery. Yeah. So I, I want, wanted to really jump into that, Brad, yeah. So because 95% of communication is not the words. Uh, how can people improve? And, and what, what would you say during all these years of experience and working with all these amazing athletes and leaders and, and amazing companies, you would say the number one thing is that people are not using in their communication, which would make a world of difference. Well, well, there's a laundry list, but let me. Let yeah. Me <laughs> Piggyback on what you said, the delivery is always paramount to the content. You, you quoted a figure, which is pretty accurate, actually. People listen to 5% of the words that you are speaking, and 95% of what they receive from you is about how you deliver that. Are you approachable? Are you believable? Are you eloquent and poetic? Are you genuine? Are you educated on your concepts? And are you easy to listen to? Is your voice in tune? Right. Are you using the proper melody? 
Are you communicating with eye contact and facial expressions and body language and hand gestures that support the thought that you had before you even opened your mouth? So the number one skill that I, that I talk about, and this, there are certain things that cross over between real life communications in person and virtual communications like this. So yeah. in person, the most important skill that is lacking in most human beings is eye contact. Yeah. Effective, connected eye contact. And it's even more difficult, right? With the, for example, the virtual world, I struggle difficulty with watching the camera, right? Because I'm so in the moment with people and with energy, that's, that's difficult to establish eye contact. But I definitely think eye contact is so important. What do you think care. that holds people back from making the eye, eye contact? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you exactly what holds people <laughs> back. But what I was going to say is, I don't think it's far down the path where they can create a visual opportunity online like this, where the entire screen is a camera, where I could actually genuinely look at you in your eyes via a virtual opportunity. Right now, you're right. I'm either looking at the camera or I'm looking at you, but there's really no direct interactive physical communication, as well as pheromones, electricity, atmosphere, smell, that we're not experiencing the same atmosphere. Senses, yeah. So those are not crossovers. What <clears throat> are crossovers, however, are the words that I'm choosing, as well as the melody that I'm using and the tone of my voice. Those things do cross over. You know, so you asked me, why do people have a hard time making eye contact? Well, you know, I believe in pretty much, there's only one cliche that I don't believe in, which we can discuss if, if you want at some point. But Of course. <laughs> cliche. Is true. 100% sure. Why? Because it, if it wasn't said 100 billion times, it wouldn't become cliche, right? Mm -hmm. The eyes are the windows to the soul, right? And so what happens is that's a very exposing concept. That's a very vulnerable concept. If I'm allowing myself to look you directly in your eyes for in excess of, let's say, 3.2 seconds, I'm exposing myself because eye contact can be used to literally create almost every emotion that we experience. Anger, love, hate, fear, sadness. Sometimes it's a little creepy. <laughs> you know, I Well, think about it. Yeah. This is, learned, this is a learned process. It's like working out. These are muscles. They happen to be the two most valuable muscles that we possess. And they can be used to really express every single feeling that we have. So with that being said, I know, have you ever spoken to somebody and you're literally sitting two, three feet in front of them and they're talking like this? You know, yeah, I was on this podcast with this guy the other day and he really had a lot to talk about. And they're looking in every direction, but in your eyes. Yeah. Or in person, there are multiple exercises that I've developed over the course of time that enable you to develop what I call easy eye contact. I can look you in your eyes for an extended period of time and never have it become uncomfortable. And I can also control that atmosphere where you won't become uncomfortable either. That's amazing. Yeah. And so that one thing I offer and I can offer to your audience is while we can't do eye contact exercises over the internet. No, <laughs> I do recommend that you starting the minute you close this podcast, anytime you're in front of people, when you're at the supermarket and you're at the checkout counter, look the cashier directly in their eyes, make a connection, see what happens. It's just a practice session, right? 
Every time you're walking down the street or in the elevator, I always try and make eye contact with people, not just because I'm trying to develop it as a business practice, but because that's just what I do. I yeah. like to make connections with people and see how they react. And so that's, that's, that's primarily my number one thing is to tell people, make eye contact, eye contact. with your friends, with your family, with your kids, with your coworkers, and with strangers. Absolutely. And what would you say that the number two thing is? Well, what would you, would you say that people are not using in their communication to make it more effective? So this is, this is a little secret that I have. Right? Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a we little like secret, secrets in the vault. <laughs> a, little, a little secret weapon. And I'm actually going to, if I can, I'm going to run you through a, uh, an exercise that will show you the value of vocal melody. All right. Let's do so, it. <laughs> so one of the things that I talk about all the time is speaking on the downturn. Most people speak on the upturn and I'll explain the difference. So if you call somebody's phone and you get their voicemail, 90% of the time you're going to hear this. Hi, this is Brett and I can't get to my phone right now, but if you will please leave your name and number at the sound of the tone, I will get back to you as soon as possible. Now, if you think about that, if you analyze that sentence, every single phrase, but for the last one, was positioned melodically as a question. When you ask a question, you go on the upturn. When you make a statement or a demand or a command or a, re or a request, you go on the downturn. So now watch the difference. Hi, this is Brett, and I can't get to my phone right now. But if you will please leave your name and number at the sound of the tone, I will get back to you as soon as possible. That's a major difference. Major. It sounds so much more definitive. And I can't tell you how many of my clients, students have come back to me after two, three, four or five weeks of practicing this, but also paying attention to it and saying, I can't even listen to people speak anymore. <laughs> Well, think about this. Why do people not speak in that manner? Because they're never taught to speak in that manner. No, but if you're you think right. About from the time we are children, we are encouraged to respond to that downturn, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Take the garbage out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brett, come on. Take the garbage out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brett, take the garbage out. Out. <laughs> okay. That's so, that's the so way I speak to my four and a half year old uh, Brett. <laughs> Exactly. And, and yeah. that's, just, that's just the beginning. So the, the value of vocal melody is something that is not studied in school. It's not taught by parents. And I have discovered the value of vocal melody because over the course of my 30 years of doing this, I've been in front of thousands of audiences. And I just started to study how they respond to different melodic tones, tones and melody in my voice. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you one quick example, if that's okay. Yes. <laughs> so when you change the melody of a sentence, it changes everything. Okay. First of all, it changes the thought that you're thinking regarding that melody. And I'll explain why in a second. It changes your facial expressions, which ultimately at combining your thoughts and your face, it changes the dilation of your pupils, which instinctively human mammals respond to whether they realize it or not. It changes because the thought changes, it changes your pheromones. It changes the timber of your voice. And I'm going to show, I'm going to prove to you right now, it not only changes all of those things, it changes who you're talking to. So I have two sentences here, right? They're identical, correct? Mm -hmm. For the two listeners, words. it I'm says, sorry. let's eat grandpa, right? right? Right. So now there are two identical sentences. 
But this one, if you look at the accent marks, which are going to guide you through the melody, right? This one says, let's eat, grandpa. Let's eat, grandpa. So now think about that. What does that sentence mean to you? Let's, let's eat, like eating, right? Having right. dinner or... Right. Come on, grandpa. Let's go let's, eat. So yeah, now let's, let, let's, eat. Just, let's just analyze that for a second. There's a thought in your head. I would like to go eat with grandpa. According to that sentence, I am talking to just grandpa, right? Exactly. Yes. Hey, grandpa. Now, when I say it, it's a positive thought. So my eyebrows raise. Let's eat, grandpa. When I say eat, eat, it, it's almost impossible to fake that, right? Yeah. Let's eat, grandpa, means something very specific. I'm talking to somebody very specific, which creates a thought, pheromones, you know, we're right now, even through virtual, we are exchanging thousands of connective, communicative lines of communication. Yeah. Gosh. Now we go to sentence two. It's the same sentence. All I did was change the melody of two phrases in this three word sentence. And this one says, let's eat grandpa. <laughs> now, what does that mean? That means that we're going to eat grandpa. <laughs> now, let's think about how powerful the melody is, right? I didn't change anything other than the melody. The words are the same. The exactly. way I said it was different. And it changes everything. It changes the thought because now it's not let's eat with grandpa. It's actually let's eat this old guy. Yeah. <laughs> now, when I say it, my facial expressions change because the thought is different. Let's yes. eat grandpa, right? It's an evil thought which yeah. changes the dilation of my pupils and the, the tiny muscles in my face and the way I'm thinking about it. It also changes who I'm talking to. So now in that sentence, who am I talking to? A psychopath, maybe. <laughs> no, no, true. But I'm saying I'm talking to everybody but grandpa. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm no longer talking to grandpa. Yeah. And so that's just a small example of how this works. And when I encounter people that are not familiar with these concepts, it's so interesting when you hear people speak and their melody is just so different than their original message. And that's what happens. It gets lost in translation. So, for example, going back to the, the voicemail message concept, mm -hmm. when somebody says, hi, this is Brett. I can't get to my phone right now. Da, 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 da. Nobody's going to say to themselves, hmm, he's talking on the upturn. Every single phrase in that sentence sounds like a question, but what they do instinctively is react differently because that downturn is something we've been psychologically conditioned to respond to since we are children. Yeah. And when you hear the upturn, it just sounds different. It sounds, it sounds different. not quite as convincing, right? So mm -hmm. for your audience, here's the thing. An upturn is a question. Now you can use the upturn for creative license. I'm not saying to sound like a Marine drill sergeant and every single time you have to talk on the downturn, but for the, the sake of practice, I encourage people to use this downturn as often as they can, because as we've already talked about, the downturn involves a statement, a command, a demand, or a request. Exactly. And I think that that's very important for, for a sales process too. Right. For a sales Absolutely. process, oh, of course. people of course. to feel confident buying from you. It's also very important to not ask like for like it, it, it's a request. It's a demand. It's something that you are offering. Right. So I think that it, as well for sales, as well as selling yourself, but also for leadership, 
And especially when it comes to when you lead teams, it's so important to have this for people. It also exudes confidence. Yeah. It really does. You know, and again, it's such a, a small, easy, well, I wouldn't say easy. It's just a small tweak in the way you deliver a message, but the results are exponential. Mm. I mean, one of my one of my clients who's also a close friend of mine, and we we worked together for years. Came back to me after a few weeks of working on this concept, and she said, "I can't even listen to people speak anymore <laughs> because ninety nine percent of the people that we encounter speak on the upturn just naturally. I don't know why it developed that way, but it just did, and nobody told anybody differently. Nobody mm. said, "No, no, no, that sounds like a question. Say it like a statement. You know, hi, what's your name?" My name is Brett. No, what's your name? My name is Brett. Mm. That's a statement. Yeah. That's believable. That's communicative. That's that's confident. Yeah, exactly. And the, the, the number one reason that people don't, that they feel nervous, right, when they need to speak is actually that fear of rejection. And that volume actually changes everything. Fear right? of a lot so, of things. Fear yeah. of rejection, fear of looking stupid, fear of looking silly, fear of looking unintelligent. I mean, it goes on and on. People are terrified. And it's not just public speaking. It's going on a date. It's going on a job interview. It's it's trying to maybe, if you're on a date, walking into a restaurant and getting the best table in the house, but you're afraid of looking stupid. Yeah. So so how do people overcome that? Because a lot of people suffer from uh, fear of speaking and even leaders, right? Leaders, high leaders also have this... Uh, fear of speaking up or guiding them te- their teams the way they should guide them. So what would you what would what your what would your suggestion be to people to overcome this? You know, you know, conditioning your brain to think differently is a challenging prospect. Behavioral changes are tough. And you know, one of the cliches that I talked about that I disagree with is you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You can, but that dog has to want to change. That dog has to first be open to a challenging set of processes that are going to be very uncomfortable in order to change their thoughts and behavior in regards to how they feel about themselves. Richard Branson, who's one of my favorite businessmen, has a uh, quote, famous quote that I love and says, there's another bus coming in 10 minutes. Okay. So one of the main processes that I speak about in my self-talk segment of the lost languages is fear and panic versus no Fs given, right? Mm -hmm. And when I say that, it's not that I don't care about people or the world or humanity. I just have a different relationship to the outcome because I know that there's another bus coming in 10 minutes, right? So when I stand up in front of a room full of people, if they reject me or they are over me or they don't respect me, whatever the case may be, okay, nobody is for everybody. So you have to wonder, what exactly is it that you're afraid of? If it's just rejection, what exactly is going to happen to you in the worst case scenario? Okay. Is a house going to fall on your head? Are you going to burst into flames? Right? (laughs) Are you going to melt? No. The reality is people, when they get up on stage are so afraid. And when I say on stage, we're always on stage. Yeah. Whether we're going on a first date or we're talking to a boardroom full of 5, 10, 15, 20 people, or we're on a big stage talking to 500 people, we are always on stage. The question is, what is the worst that could happen? And so my philosophy of no Fs given is, what's the difference? You know, at one of the speeches I did for Google, one of the people said, you'll get laughed at. 
And yeah. I said, good. I said, good. Get laughed at. Because if you can get comfortable with being laughed at, then nobody is able to get to you. Yeah, you build emotional will, resilience. Right. And people will gravitate toward that philosophy more than you could possibly imagine, amongst a variety of other things that I talk about in terms of communicating with an audience. But that's that's one segment of getting over your fear of walking into a troublesome situation, a potentially troublesome situation. And then the other one is this is, you know, I used to, I used to not be able to do this. And I I'm a work in progress. So every time I teach people, I'm actually teaching myself and reinforcing this training for myself. I love that you're saying that. <laughs> it's a blessing. I in no way think that I am at the end of this journey. This is an ongoing thing. Absolutely. And every time I speak on this, including right now, I'm reinforcing my own beliefs in the way I communicate. And so, you know, I used to I used to struggle with road rage. I used to get so frustrated with people on the road that were just so inconsiderate and would cut you off and then flip you off and then just <laughs> so rude and inconsiderate and horrible. Yeah. And so one day I was on the road and this guy cut me off and then, you know, I I pulled up next to him and he flipped me off and then he pulled up in front of me and he's brake checking me and hitting his brakes and I'm like And I stopped myself and I said, wait a second, what are you doing right now? You are allowing this perfect stranger to invade your life, potentially put you in danger of getting into an accident or getting pulled over. Yeah, exactly. And so I stopped and I said, all right, I feel this way. I'm angry. I am entitled to be angry because this guy is a jerk. But I stopped and said, wait a second, how do you feel about how you feel? Yeah, that's such an important question because so that what, creates the resistance, right? Well, so what I did was I took myself out of the equation and I looked at it from an outsider's view looking in or a bird's eye view. And I said, wait, how do I feel about how I feel? Well, I'm angry. I'm allowed to be angry right now because this guy is causing me unnecessary issues. But if I stop and say, well, I'm okay with feeling angry because I'm entitled to it right now, all of a sudden, coincidentally, the concept of being angry got diluted and the thought of I'm okay with it became the overriding thought. And I came to the realization that that actually works in pretty much every single situation. If you're walking into a really important sales meeting, this is it. This is your game changer. You have to get this. And you walk in and I've got another tool for you as well. But if you walk in and you've got this knot in your stomach and you're nervous and you're sweating And you're like, oh my God, what if this doesn't work? And you're nervous. Well, if you're nervous about the fact that you're nervous, then you're nervous squared. Then you're exponentially nervous. So now you're just going to be more nervous, not just because you're nervous. You're going to be nervous about the fact that you're nervous. Now, if you say to yourself, okay, look, anyone in this situation would have some sense of nerves. I'm okay with it. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And you tell yourself that in a way that kind of allows you the bandwidth to be nervous. All of a sudden, it's, I'm okay with this. And I found that it literally does dissolve the feeling of nerves. And so how you feel about how you feel is always going to help you more effectively than just feeling what you're feeling, because you're going to do that anyway. We don't have an off switch in our brain. We can't just shut it off. So we yeah. to ourselves in a way that allows us to rationalize what we're experiencing as humans, the human condition. Yeah, exactly. With a different perspective. And the last thing I'll tell you is a quick one. So right here exists this nerve center, right? When we're nervous or we're anxious or panicky, we have a knot in our stomach. That's just a physical feeling. That's just physics, right? 
However, that nervous knot runs all the way up here and says, red alert. Oh my God, what am I going to do? This is not going to work. I'm in a panic mode. Now, if you identify this nerve center, it's also the same exact feeling when you are experiencing anticipation or excitement. When you go over the first pump on a giant roller coaster, you feel this anticipation, right? When you are throwing a surprise party for someone that you love and you've worked on it for months and you are walking into the door and you know that there are 200 people in that room that are about to yell surprise and your loved one has no idea, you feel that same physical feeling in the exact same place. So what I suggest is this is just a coin that you can flip over. Yeah. Change Again, this is about controlling your thoughts. You can change the way you feel about this feeling and shift it from fear and panic into anticipation and excitement. Yeah, exactly. I actually use that trick, right? So when I feel fear and everything, I say it's the same feeling. It's, you know, I'm excited. I was excited about this interview because I think communication truly makes all the difference for your business, for your life, for the way you feel and the way you connect with people and the results you can have. So, and it's the same thing. You're 100% right. You're 100% right. So how, how do leaders apply your teachings? How do they apply them, for example, in a team in this current situation, right? There is a lot of emotions going on, less connection. We're distracted by the social media and everything. So how would you say that leaders uh, use this very easily in order for them to really influence people to, towards a direction? You know, leaders in business are people that others look up to. And I'm, I don't know necessarily always respect, but maybe fear. Okay. So how leaders effectively communicate their thoughts and emotions to their subordinates is very important in terms of securing loyalty, commitment. That I'm actually writing an article right now on the concept of don't let your lack of loyalty from your team or to your team become a liability. Yeah. Oftentimes in corporate America, what I find is that as successful as some of these people are, is as ineffective as they are at communicating their thoughts. They may be great at IT, they may be great in the medical field, they may be great lawyers, but they're not necessarily great at conveying their emotions or their thoughts or their feelings in a way that makes their team want to commit and be a part of the growth and the process versus having one foot out the door saying, oh, I don't feel appreciated. I don't feel like there's an opportunity here long-term. I have one foot out the door and the next opportunity that comes along, I am out of here. And so oftentimes, CEOs, leaders of companies, coaches of professional sports teams don't necessarily understand that the way they're conveying their thoughts might be very different than the actual thoughts that they're thinking. Mm. So it's so important to study these skills, starting with, like I said, making effective eye contact. You can look somebody in their eyes and let them know you are important to me. I am being sincere and genuine and real believable and authentic. And I can use words on and on and on and on to describe that. And that will have that other person walk away saying, I feel better now. I feel like yeah. that was a real conversation. And I can trust the fact that this person wants me on board and appreciate me. And that also works when you're disciplining somebody. You have to discipline people in a way that they're going to receive. And so really understanding these hard and soft skills, which comes down to eye contact and understanding the melody that you're choosing. And we haven't even spoken about the value of pausing. 
Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that, Brad, because I noticed during our talk, your pauses, and I love the way, because sometimes I, I speak very quickly. So I was, I was, I was planning on asking you about it. <laughs> so listen, pauses are part of our language. Just because we're not saying anything doesn't mean something's not happening interactively, right? Yeah. Pauses can create a variety of things. Number one, it can create anticipation. So if I were to say to you, hey, listen, I have something really important to tell you right now. Mm. That's a very different delivery than, hey, listen, I have something really important to tell you right now, right? It allows people to sit up in their chair and hang on your words, okay? That's number one. Number two is as a speaker, you very rarely hear me go, uh, um, why? Because I know when to pause so that if I spin off the road, I'm already thinking five to 10 words ahead of what I want to say. But if I get lost in the sauce, I can pause and give myself that couple of seconds to catch up to myself so that I can say the next statement with confidence. It also allows the audience, when I say audience, I mean one-on-one, one-on-five, one-on-five hundred, one-on-five thousand. It allows the audience to stop and register what you just said. But if you just speak through it, and by the way, most people who speak publicly do speak way too fast. One of my paramount lessons when I speak to people and they get so frustrated doing this exercise is slow down. down. <laughs> Let people wait for you. Let people hang on your words. Mm, I think it, it, it beams a lot of confidence too. Right? You have to be confident to speak slowly mm. because most people want to get on and off stage as quickly as possible. But you don't realize that you're damaging your accountability, your credibility. Exactly. You speak so fast that people are like, wait, what did that person just say? Yeah, they, they are not able to catch it and to process it, right? Because you have the words and then you have the motions and then you have distractions and all of the things going on in, in our minds. So that that is amazing advice. It's it's. It sounds so simple and it's so so effective, so effective. It is as simple and as complex. It, it, it really is a paradox. I mean, this kind of training does not happen overnight. It's changing behavior and behavioral changes take time and they are painful and they are stressful. A lot of this really has to do with you having the ability to hold the mirror up in front of you and look yourself in the mirror and say, okay, I am not effectively communicating. And, you know, I, I've worked with IT companies. And so some of these people are so successful. You're talking about tens and hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue from people that are just so intelligent in the IT world. And yet a large percentage of the high level IT executives cannot effectively communicate themselves out of a wet paper bag. Yeah, I can back that because I've worked for tech for for many, many years. So <laughs> I exactly, I, I can back that totally. So what would you say, Brett, that when it comes to effective communication, that if I would ask you what, what kind of emotions are important to take on board or to think of when you communicate effectively, what are the two to three stances you could uh, say well, before all, you go and speak? So one of my favorite quotes that I, I try to adhere to, but I'm not always successful at it, because <laughs> I'm, I'm you know, a human being as well, is the mind is your instrument. Learn to be its master and not its slave. True mm. victory is victory over oneself. And the reason yes. I say that is because, you know, we are so caught up in people's opinions and people's reactions to us. However, the only thing that we really do have ultimate control over are the six inches between our ears. Yes. <laughs> That's it. So 
what I like to project on people is if you control this and then you, this is the remote control, right? This is the most powerful remote control known to man over any supercomputer on the planet, right? And so if you can control your thoughts, this is the remote and this is the drone. So I've never personally used a, a physical drone, but I've watched people use it. And if you literally shift the remote fraction of a millimeter, something is going to change in the direction or movement of that drone. Yeah. That is the exact same thing with this. So while we can't necessarily control other people or how other people react to us, we can control how we deliver a message. And as we deliver that message, we can somewhat control how people react to it based on our effective delivery, which leads me into a point about humanity and, and dealing with different types of humans. Because in the workplace and even in our social lives, we're dealing with very tight, different types of creatures, right? Yeah. Some people like to think, well, we're all humans. We all speak English. Why, why wouldn't it be that you understand what I'm putting down? That's the farthest thing from the truth. You know, as I said earlier, in the, in the natural world, we're not communicating, you know, different types of species, even if they're all mammals, are not communicating other than kill or be killed with other types of mammals. But if you look at domesticated animals, including humans, right? A Doberman pincher as a dog is very different than a chihuahua. And a chihuahua is very different than a golden retriever and on and on and on, right? Forms of aggression, affection, trainability, diet, lifespan, everything. We as humans are the exact same thing. Just because we are all human doesn't mean that we're all the same type of human. And because we're in this very unnatural setting where we are forced into this melting pot. Yeah. You know, we don't segregate in the way that the natural world segregates. You have to identify your audience. You have to know who you're talking to so that you communicate with them on their level, not on your level. I always say, if, if I'm analyzing this as far as like a sports team, right, I'm always going to be more comfortable playing on my own home turf, <clears throat> but that's not the way it works. Yeah. For a communicator, I'm going to come to your field. I'm going to learn your way of thinking. I'm going to learn your way of communicating and receiving communication. And then I'm going to play my game on your field. I the love that. Thing, the only thing that we all share as humans, only one thing, the only one thread is instinct. But other than that, I'm going to communicate very, I'm going to adapt and communicate very differently with, let's say, a soccer mom than I am to a tech CEO, than I am to a college athlete than I am to a high school kid. And I'm going to learn how to adapt my form of communication so that you identify with me. And that's why, by the way, just to kind of surmise why I called this the persuasive lion is because there's a very fine line, but a very distinct difference between persuasion and manipulation. Yes. And they are very closely related. The behavior is actually the same. The only thing that shifts between those two intentions is the intention. So persuasion is, I'm going to say and do things that shift your thoughts, shift your behavior, shift your reaction in your best interest or in our exactly. mutual best interest. Yeah. If I'm going to go with manipulation, I'm doing the exact same thing. It's just a selfish act. It's just for my own betterment. And so I'm very cautious when I teach people these skills and these assets because it's a dangerous thing. I'm also a, a clinically certified hypnotherapist. I, I've studied neuro-linguistic programming, human behavioral response, and the, the mind 
is a very complex, very yet very delicate piece of machinery. Absolutely. So if you have these skills, then you have an advantage over others that don't have these skills. Yes. <laughs> and so that really is probably the most important part of this. And I mean, I could go into other things about the brain and playfulness and silliness and letting your hair down and not caring about what other people think. Yeah, I love that. But please tell people how can they how can they get in touch with you? How can they find out more about your work and what you're doing? Where can they find you? Well, the best case scenario is to look at my website, which is www.thepersuasivelion.com. I have all of my stuff up there. There's a ton of content. There's testimonials from people from all around the world and all all walks of life. So that's the best way to do it. Uh, I do offer keynote speeches virtually and in person, one-on-one coaching, as well as seminar workshops and stuff like that. So realistically, there, there's a variety of angles that you can take to communicate with me that I can help you and or your team and or your family communicate more effectively. And it's a game changer. It really is. Thank God. Listen, for me, thank God the world is like this because I love doing this for people. Yeah. <laughs> I think everybody it was mesmerized in the energy, including me, when oh, it comes to that. You. So that that's amazing. I, I just there is something that you would like to give to the the vault, right? Some, some a present. So could could you tell a, a little bit about it? <laughs> I would love to offer anyone uh, that would come through your process uh, a twenty percent discount on any service that I offer. Wow. So, yeah, I, I really want it. You know. Obviously, we all do what we do to be successful. But I also, to be honest with you, based on my story and based on people that I see in the world, I do also what I do to help people. You know, I'm not convinced that I can change the world, but I'm pretty convinced that I can stand on a stage and change a big circle of people who will then spread this out like, you know, a pebble in a, in a lake that ripples out. Because the more effectively you communicate with your people and your son, for example, yeah. <laughs> the more effectively he will then learn how to communicate with others. And I'd like to start a trend. A ripple effect. Oh my gosh, we're so aligned, <laughs> Brett. I know, yeah. So uh, one last question. Sure. What is the, what is the one question nobody, nobody ever asks you, but you would love to answer? What is the one question? Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is a little off topic, but uh, it's getting a little deep. But the one question, I mean, I have a lot of philosophies on this. When I look at humanity and I look at humanity in conjunction with the rest of the world, the rest of the planet, and the rest of the living organisms on life, but just humanity, you know, why are we here and how did we get here? Mm. And to be honest with you, I, I get so sad when I look at the dissension amongst different types of humans, specifically different countries that yeah. are not getting along. And I do believe that it all circles back to lack of effective communication. But like I said, we all, as humans, as different types of human species, come from different financial, educational, spiritual backgrounds. But if we could learn to communicate more effectively just as a human species, we might be able to collaborate and figure out that question, which is, what are we actually here for? You know, when I look at how we've de-evolved, I think that's the word, de-evolved or devolved and lost the ability to communicate interpersonally, thus the concept of the lost languages. You know, the most recognizable language on the planet, written language on the planet right now, are emojis. Mm, yeah. <laughs> now, so doesn't that really... It is, it back, is. It's crazy. Doesn't that bring you back to like cavemen? 
were scribbling images of deer and animals on their cave walls, I would really love to see a coming together mm. of humans that can let their guard down and understand, yes, we're not the same, but we can communicate the same because we do have that same mammalistic connection. Yeah, That would be my ideal situation, you know, because when I look at the world, I'm like, man, nobody is communicating so much gets lost in translation. Even when you, you use your hands ineffectively, you know, people that are, are in, unable to hear use their hands to communicate sign language. So yeah. everything is a language. Everything we say, everything we do, and ultimately everything we think is a language. So an answer, the, the, the long answer to the short question, <laughs> really just learning how to communicate more effectively will help us to derive a better under, understanding of each other and why we're here. I love it. I love it. Guys, I hope you loved it as much as I did. And I'm looking forward to seeing you up level next week in the vaults. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Vault. Respect for showing up and creating your next stage of life and business. If you like this episode, I invite you to dive deeper and stay. The S stands for subscribe and share. Make a screenshot right now and pay it forward and send this to five friends who can benefit from this value. The T stands for try and transform. Try the technique, at least until the next episode. The A stands for action. Action creates success. Don't stay a student when you have a code. You should try to open the vault. And finally, the Y stands for you. This is about the most valuable asset of the vault and life in general. The one and only authentic you. So if this was your code, please comment and help the vault grow. Hashtag unlocked, hashtag next level, hashtag dive deeper. And see you next week to level up again.